0: Everybody, and welcome to the New York Mystery Machine.
1: Tammany Hall, but for ghosts.
0: But for ghosts, and today on the show, the, uh, what are you looking at? Oh, sorry. (laughs) She said (laughs) Tammany Hall for ghosts, and then, like, she looked over my left shoulder, and I was like, is there, did you summon something? Did something arise?
1: Stare. I didn't even realize no, I was that's doing a, it that's
0: okay I just got I was severely worried for a second because literally this, what I saw was like I'm like the, the mystery machine you're like Town Hall but a ghost and then as you said ghost you trailed off and then your <laughs> eyes looked up like an apparition came upon which wouldn't be weird or surprising because the story we have today deals a lot with the paranormal. oh
1: interesting I was going to ask if your apartment by any chance is here's haunted. the thing
0: and this is a good conversation to have I am someone who I've lived in haunted places mm-hmm. my entire life interesting um, my house growing up was haunted. Really? Not and again, and I always say haunted as a general form. I sure. don't think when something's haunted, it's necessarily evil no. or mischievous. It just means that there's there are spirits from people. So I. Yeah. Um, you know, I we're gonna have a future episode, I think, where we talk a lot about just personal experience. I think they mm-hmm. really fun things. A lot of my personal experiences have all happened in New York, with the exception of one in in Philadelphia. Ooh. Um, but so yeah, I grew up with a lot of, of spirit energy around me, smell, sense, sounds. Oh. So growing up in my house in, in in Williamsburg, I had that then I worked out in Philadelphia for a year and my apartment in Philadelphia was very haunted. And it wasn't It was like a middle ground type of haunting Uh. where it's like it made itself known often and it was loud and obnoxious. Never did anything to like hurt me. I never felt, but literally was just kept me up sometimes where I had like shout at it. It was so ridiculous. Did it
1: respond when you shouted at it? Like if you said shut up, would it, it like, up be like one, go Yeah, I'm fine?
0: There was one night where literally I think I told the story to to our uh, our, our, our podcasting friends, uh, Sean and Carrie from Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. And I was like, there was this one time where it was just being loud. I, I don't know what the sound was. It was just a loud sound. And I, thought, I was like, dude, I have to wake up early tomorrow. Please stop. <laughs> And it just stopped, and I was like, "All right, well, that was that's it." It's
1: interesting. It's like an annoying roommate that sometimes it was like an annoying
0: roommate. <laughs> but anyway, so then I moved into into my new place in Williamsburg, and um, I slept soundly. I didn't sleep soundly my first night because there was no sound. Oh, it was so quiet, and I was like, "Huh?" And yeah, and I've been at that place in you know for for almost five years now and nothing yeah nothing oh nothing
1: haunted here nothing comes well, that, that's which is yeah, nice. it's great it's
0: an interesting feeling to not feel like yeah. you're to feel like you're truly alone in your living place it's really interesting I, I
1: was and was it's an old building i don't i don't think i've ever lived in a haunted place so oh, by, by so the 100%. inverse i would feel deeply uncomfortable if i felt i wasn't alone
0: <laughs> well i'm glad we're talking about living in haunted places cuz uh-uh. today we're, we're we're talking about some haunted. We've taken a couple of weeks off mm-hmm. from talking about the the creepies and the and the, and the things Pepper! that come at night. Um, but we are oh yeah, popper was our last one. But today we're back, and today we're chatting about the House of Death.
1: Oh God!
0: I know, I know. You that,
1: is, is that a reference to the D and D House of Death in Strahd? The, you know, the very first.
0: I literally have no idea what you're saying. It's fine. You're speaking like a different language to me. Every now and then, Christina says something I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about." We have different levels of geekdom, and like.
1: Mine is real deep.
0: You're, we, we both have, no, they're both deep, but, some, but sometimes they just diverge in two different directions. <laughs> we'll all start talking about professional wrestling, and you're right. like, I don't know what that means. And you're all talking about D&D. I'm like, I have no idea what that means. And we have common ground on some stuff, Some stuff. a lot of stuff.
1: I guess I wouldn't have considered professional, I, it's niche, but I wouldn't have thought of it as like a geekdom class. I
0: mean, it's not a geekdom thing, but it lives in the same, I mean, comic book nerds are, are wrestling That's nerds. That's true. That's fair. We, we, we share the same. Overlap. We all go, we, I We're mean. We're the same people. Yeah, I mean, my partner Sam and I, we we went to common contrast as wrestlers right. two years in a row. So
1: All right. Nope. I see the overlap.
0: This is a long intro I'm to sorry, the House guys. of Death. It's okay. Um but anyway, the House of Death. This is a story that um it really takes place in like a few chapters. Okay. I had originally said to myself, this is about three chapters, but you know, it's definitely two, maybe three. I don't know if I'll ever like say this is chapter three of it. We'll <laughs> see, um, but it, it happens in 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 waves. Um, so this piece of property has seen its fair share of horror and notoriety, and allegedly twenty two deaths. Oh my god! Since its erection in eighteen fifty six. Now, granted, twenty two deaths. Yeah, that's since a, a chunk a- of time. That's not a lot of deaths. Um, people die in buildings. The tricky trick trickity of it all is that for so long the building was a you know was a dwelling for one human's family. Mm-hmm. Now it's apartments, so later it went right. to apartments, so that was also has affected the number. Sure, but um, let's get ourselves situated, please. As I oft love doing, the building sits at 14 West 10th Street, right in the heart of Ooh. the West Village just a few blocks from Washington Square Park.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've I've definitely passed by it many a times before realizing what it was. Like when I when I when I saw it um, and I Google image mapped and all the things like, oh, I've passed this by. I've walked down this block before. I like doing the thing on Google where you you drop the little. What pin I'm doing pin right thing. now. But also like when you get to do it on the um on the on the desktop version, yes. we drop the little pin human and you can like kind of tour the block. Yes, I like doing that. I was like, oh, oh i, I walked here many times. That's actually what
1: I'm trying to do, but my phone won't do it now. That's
0: okay. This is a podcast. No one can see you doing it. As as you often recall, the building itself is revivalist Greek brownstone. Um, So long before being known as the House of Death, it at one time or another housed many of the city's bright and beautiful. Some residents included the wife of the founder of the Metropolitan Underground Railroad and the Broadway Underground Railroad, Mr. James Borman Johnson. Mm -hmm. The Metropolitan Underground Railroad was the first uh, underground mnemonic railway in London, and Mm. the Broadway one was the New York version of it. Cool. So long, but and this is in the 1800s. This is long before the MTA. This is long before we have right. now. This is the first version of what would be our new, like our sophisticated subway system okay. as as it stands. Um, Johnson was responsible for founding um, reading rooms, a library, and the famed 10th Street Studio, huh. which is a collective of studios, galleries, and annual funding for resident artists, which was very unique for New York City at the time. In the 1800s, we didn't have any of these things, but uh, at that time. People uh, of wealth in um, and, and his circle all believe that um, giving to the arts would be a very noble thing and creating places for people to have arts. It's so weird that rich people did this in the 1800s and now like arts funding is like <laughs> the worst. And when like there's so much art and they're like, no, you can't fund that. It's fine.
1: Or when they do, it's because they really want to make themselves look better.
0: Yeah. They want to wing it in, in like one of the fancy museums. Yeah. Um, After he died, his wealthy widow, because she inherited everything, (laughs) um, moved her and their daughters into the house, uh, which was in the 1880s. Now, in researching, we really come to find out that the house really didn't see that many tragedies uh, in the time that Borman and her children lived there. The house seemed to have started earning its reputation gradually as the Borman family stopped living there, okay. um, both them and any any extension of their family. The first recorded incident of, of quote-unquote bad luck happened in 1897. Uh, cycling celebrity Fred H. Andrew...
1: Didn't know they had cycling celebrities back me neither
0: then. i was like oh a cycling celebrity back in the 1800s what a what a fair sport <laughs> what a noble sport it was um uh he had purchased a residency and um had what the new york times called in their august 9th 1897 edition a moment of reckless bicycle riding oh um, he oh, no. accidentally hit a boy
1: oh who was
0: around eight years old The boy suffered a broken leg, and Andrew was subsequently arrested. Oh. (laughs) Uh, But pretty minor stuff. Obviously, the charge didn't, the boy was fine. The Mm -hmm. charge didn't last. No deaths. Um, But Andrew, this famous cyclist who I did not know, so how famous (laughs) can you be, um, would not be the most famous tenant of the house for that was reserved for a literary giant. Do you have any ideas of who it can be?
1: Um, literary Giants uh, 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 Oh Henry No uh, You spent
0: some time In New York
1: I mean Well okay Give me give me the era What what time frame Are we looking at it, Right after Like 1897 To 1910 Sure Do I get hints Okay I um, mean, New York I don't know anymore I'm, I'm panicking under fire Mark Twain No
0: Actually yes <gasps> oh! <laughs> So Mark Twain Is the most fam- Famous
1: Wow
0: Famous resident Of the Of the uh, Of the Of the building
1: that's cool. And it starts with him? The, the craziness?
0: Craziness begins with with Mr. Twain. Ooh. Mark Twain, whose real name is Samuel Clemens, lived at the house of death just three years after Fred H. Andrew, the cyclist, had started that streak of bad luck. Mm-hmm. Mark Twain only lived in the house for a little over 12 months. Oh, okay. Um, however, this is the point of his career where he is well-known by all. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Mark Twain. They know who he is. Um, he's literally an icon, he's a celebrity, like, people know Twain. Uh, But at the same time, unbeknownst to a lot of people, he was battling bankruptcy and he was churning out super rushed work. And the work was great, but Mm -hmm. everything's being rushed. He's just looking for his next paycheck because he's not doing well on money. People don't know this. Obviously, the Times doesn't, like, show it. He's still keeping up airs as he is. Right. But he's not in a good place. In fact, this led to a deep depression that he was constantly at odds with. Oh. Which is really sad to think that Mark Twain know, was like Twain. broke and depressed in New York, yeah. in, the, in the Grand Village. Um, Twain was a noted ghost skeptic. Yet he wrote of a clear and plain um, paranormal experience that he had in his new home. Oh. So one evening he's at home, and he witnesses a piece of wood move in the air by itself.
1: Ooh.
0: Um, now he he thinks to himself because again he does not believe in the paranormal. So Twain thinks to himself, well, clearly this must be moved by a rat. In the air? Well, you know those rats, right? That like straight up fucking move furniture pieces yes. in the air. I like those rats that do th- that. Th-
1: those rats that do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, those rats.
0: Yeah. So he he um so then he he does what anyone would do in this situation. Sure. If you see a moving piece of wood flying in the air, mm-hmm. assuming assuming that's been. By rats. He takes his gun and he and he takes a shot at the wood. Also, what you
1: do when you think As that an a rat's living. moving your furniture in the air.
0: The wood he says the wood suddenly fell to the ground, surrounded by a few drops of blood. Because he hit the rat. Now, at this time, and maybe even still, rats did outnumber people in New York. They definitely outnumber people but, in New York. But the house was not um, known for infestations of any kind. Um, but in any case, Twain maintains that the blood was that of a rodent and not of a ghost, which is—it's it, it, all weird, right? Because like a ghost doesn't bleed, and but also how is it a rat? So I was the whole—that's a is, pretty
1: invisible. That's some paranormal shit in and it of itself. Whole, An invisible yeah. rat the, the size of is, a cat.
0: The whole thing is so weird. The whole thing is so bizarre. Um, but that's—that's that's what we get out of Mr. Twain. So hmm. although Twain did not have many pleasant memories at the house. And he died in Connecticut. Mm. There have been reports over the years of him returning to the home and roaming the stairwell. Subsequent occupants have seen him walking up and down the stairs, which are commonly considered the most haunted section oh. of the home. He also is said to be responsible for disembodied marching sounds that have been heard everywhere in the vacated parts of the house.
1: Does he have his gun with him as he's searching for the rat?
0: No, maybe. He's looking for, that. White whale. He's looking for that rat. He's like, where's that rat at? I got you here. I made you bleed, right? Did <laughs> made you bleed you? your own blood. <laughs> um, one notable Twain encounter was reported in the late 1930s. Hmm. By 1937, the house on West 10th Street had been converted into a co-op building made up of 10 spacious condo apartments. Uh, shortly after the building's transformation, a newly resident mother and daughter bumped into Twain's ghost, perched on a window seat. Um, he nonchalantly approached the pair and said to them, quote, my name is Clemens and I has a problem. I got to settle. He disappeared moments into thin air. Um, that so, is
1: exactly how I would imagine Mark Twain's ghost. I love it.
0: Yeah. My name is Clemens and I has a problem. I got to settle.
1: That's the sound of him disappearing.
0: Um and who knows what the problem was probably my problem I'm poor I'm real, real poor um, I'm really depressed um, here are all the problems I have I gotta sell these problems Furniture flying through the room but again it's so weird that Tween would come back there he was only in the house for a short period of time he dies in Connecticut um, is he
1: fond of pranks maybe in in his you know earthly life could be Cause it's fe- I don't know
0: I think maybe well remember I said to you this is a story in chapters yes well, that was chapters one and two, really. Okay. Um, so maybe it's more than three chapters, as I'm, as I'm doing the math in my brain. But that was <laughs> like one and two, right? Chapter yeah. one: the house is created. Um, Will moves in. Yeah. The 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 um you know Borman Johnson family moves in there. Um, nothing really happens. The Cyclist goes there. Nothing. You know, one one poor thing. And then Twain really is the second really chapter of this book, where mm-hmm. he has this short time, and even now has this this really. Um, big relationship with the building that's yeah you know, that still exists right yeah um, this next chapter though is the the most notable of of the chapters in the saga of of this of this house in 1957 Jan Bryant Bartel, uh her husband Fred and their daughter took up residency in a spacious apartment on the top floor of the building mm. the famous actress psychic and writer moved into the apartment which once housed the servants. Mm -hmm. So it was the top unit, the servants lived up there, right? um, and that's what was converted into what would be their unit. Um, Just weeks after Bartel moved in, she felt a monstrous moving shadow that loomed up behind her. She turned and saw nothing there, but couldn't shake the feeling that she was not alone, and maybe never would be. In the already aging house with fretted uh, balustrades and Civil War era glass in the window, there was an unmistakable um, feeling uh, of terror and eyes always watching her. The incident, the initial one, took several minutes and several cigarettes and several (laughs) cups of teas and nips of (laughs) brandies to really shake off, Um, you know. Anytime something that's startling, that that the fear of something just being so big and, and dark around you is such a...
1: In your home. In your home,
0: right? That's where you live. That's the
1: safe place. That's
0: the safe place. Um, but it wouldn't be the last in the seven-year stretch of psychological and sometimes physical torment that Bartell suffered um, for what she claimed were the icy hands of the house's former inhabitants reaching out from the afterlife to grab her. Bartell would provide details on the accounts of the paranormal in her memoir, Spindrift, Spray from a Psychic Sea, written <laughs> in 1974, just before she died. From the first day Bartell moved in, she felt the strange chill of the house closing in around her, she says. But due to a housing shortage at the time, she had little choice and had to stick it out. Um, again, as you always have to recall and remember, look at the times that were in. Um, you know, look at the, the, the errors. This is the fifties now right. where New York people are moving in, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people moving. There's a lot, a lot of space for said people. This mm-hmm. isn't, you know, we spoke about a few weeks ago, the seventies where people are getting the F out. Right. Um, people moving into New York still. So housing shortage had really no choice, but to kind of just um, hover down, hover down and hopefully hope for the best. The strange occurrences started out small, a sound of a footstep following her up the stairs, uh, a brush against the back of her neck even when her hair was tied up, uh, a strange rotting smell that would seemingly come and go like wispy smoke. The yeah. rotting smell happened so much. Um, oh, as I, as I was reading her memoir so often, like that scent just followed them around. Um, oh, it was pretty that. rough. Uh, I'm going to take a, take a second to read the author's note of the book. Please. Um, this is the first piece that she writes in Spindrift. Um, and it kind of summarizes a lot of of what she um, you know goes through in all this. All right, so this is a, a piece of the author's note. What is detailed herein is presented as it was lived through. There are no false effects, no contrived shocks, and most of all, no manipulated and meaningless uh, minute and to titillate the thrill seeker. This book is an honest endeavor to awaken in the reader as the experience did in the author and in the principles involved. An awareness of the unseen but very palpable world around us in which quote there is more in heaven and earth Horatio than is dreamt in your philosophy. Mm -hmm. And so that begins the the book. Um, So things get darker. Shadows that No light would touch, she describes, a mysterious chair their dog would snarl and growl at, as if it contained some invisible enemy. Then a phantom shriveled grape that appeared in the dead center of a clean dinner plate, even though the couple hadn't bought grapes in months.
1: Weird. And that's so so weird. So the ghost likes raisins.
0: It's a, like a shriveled grape just sitting in the middle of their dinner plate. <laughs> it
1: just appears there. It's a, like they're eating. They're eating and they're like, oh, this is, great this is a dinner. great dinner. Like, oh, what? That's weird. What a weird choice. What a weird choice what that a ghost weird made. Choice, ghost. <laughs> Everything else was pretty conventional up to now. And now we're like, hmm.
0: She found furniture inexplicably moved from its usual place. You know, normal ghost stuff. Mm. The sound of crashing glass chased her around the building. Most unsettling was the odors that appeared out of nowhere. One fragrant, like ancient perfume, mm-hmm. and the other, again, a rotting miasma that was offensive.
1: That I that I hate. That I hate in a big way. You hate the? The rotting in particular.
0: The rotting. Well, here's another account from the book. From behind me came a low whine I knew only too well. The windows were tightly shut. Penny, their dog, was crouched a few feet away ears flattened, panting in terror. Out of the remotest corner of my eye, I saw a flicker of white, like the smoke curl of a cigarette. I spun around, nebulous, a mere trailing wisp. It drifted through the doorway and into the little corridor that lay off the long hall, shrilling, wait, please, please, wait. I stumbled after it. I thought I saw it float past the bookcase and turn the corner, but I could not be sure. By the time I reached the long hall, there was nothing. No one was there. I began to cry in jerky nervous spasms. who who are you? What do you want of me? How can I help you if you just go on haunting me without making any sense? The light that had illuminated me, that had probed into the shadowy labyrinth ways of my unconscious, expunging fear seemed suddenly to have little more substance to it than the will-o-wisp I had just chased. Once again i was on the dark side of the moon yeah there's a lot of these accounts to it you know this book is so interesting the book reads i mean when you look at reviews for this book so often people like this is a terrible book but it's wonderful like because it (laughs) reads so melodramatically um and so you 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 sit into it saying to yourself if this is real then wow this is scary as fuck yeah if it's not real this is the most melodramatic haunting like you know paranormal yeah. fiction ever um but it's spilled with a lot of that one day uh, a vision of a man appeared and bartell reached out to touch it oh this is how she describes it in the book she touches it what was it i touched she wrote a substance without substance chilly damp diasphanous as marsh mist or a cloud of ether I could feel my fingers freeze at the tips. They were numb, and yet they tingled. In the split second between contact and recoil, the scent came, fragile and languorless, and sweet, unbearably, cloyingly sweet. Finally, Bartel and her husband decided to be proactive about it. They decided to call in a paranormal expert Mm -hmm. and a medium to see if they can come up with something a theory about what was happening mm-hmm. they needed help and they decided to enlist self-appointed psychic expert and ghost hunter hans holzer the goal was to find some sort of peace or resolution now if holzer's name rings a bell it yeah. absolutely should holzer investigated the amityville horror house
1: oh with Ethel johnson
0: myers in 77 he's also written over 140 books on the paranormal and the unexplained holzer wrote a non-fiction book about amityville house called Murder in Amityville in 1979, which was the basis for the 1982 film Amityville II, The Possession. He also wrote two novels, The Amityville Curse in 81 and The Secret of Amityville in 85. Talk about a guy who just is making bucks off yeah. one thing over and over again. I mean,
1: nice work if you can get it.
0: Nice work if you can get it. And if you get it. If you try. you try. Um. So... She and the, the the couple invite Toltzer, invites the medium, and upon advice, the the best the best bet is to basically do a séance, which I always feel mm. is never the best. Bet.
1: I was gonna say that's that's not the best advice in my brain.
0: In my brain, I never think that séance is what you should be right. We should be aiming for right,
1: right. Let's let's open up more portals to more things.
0: Yeah, because here's the thing with the the idea of the seance um, for for believers and non-believers, the idea of a seance is that there is a medium and the medium has some sort of both psychic and emotional connection to the afterlife or to uh, other dimensions. Mm -hmm. There's different studies on it of what mediums do tap into when they tap into things. Um, And so often um, the goal of it is to... The medium becomes an anchor for the paranormal, um, mm-hmm. and that either takes the form of um, temporary possession, where the medium will speak um, for the the spirits or whatever's haunting, or just someone who can directly communicate, who has right. the ability to to have conversation. Um, either way, they decided to to to. Bring this medium in into this very old, very haunted house.
1: Feels like a bad idea. You
0: know, they always are. We're going to get into the accounts of that uh, seance right after the break. Stay tuned. Be right back.
1: So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries.
0: But how would you like to solve your very own mystery?
1: Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery.
0: Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer.
1: So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NYMYSTERYMACHINE for 20% off the first box.
0: That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NYMYSTERYMACHINE.
1: Sign up now and begin the hunt. Pow, pow, pow.
0: All right, so last bespoke, um, they you know Bartell and her husband had had enough. Right, they're like, let's bring in some help.
1: And the um, help was a séance. Yeah,
0: so bringing in, um, bringing in the legendary ghost hunter Hans Holzer, Hans Holzer amiable fame, um, and a medium. Uh, The medium began began the ritual and tried to connect with the spirits in the room when all of a sudden snapped into a trance and was possessed with the spirit of Renee Mallison, a 19-year-old who was said to be born in 1848. She blamed President Lincoln for killing her husband, Henry McDermott, uh, by making him fight in the Civil War. She also wailed over her aborted baby. Now I know what you're saying. That sounds great. But is there a way that we can just hear her account of it? Absolutely. Of course, I'm here to provide. So this is directly from the book um, and this is the account. The medium began to cough. There appeared to be something lodged in her throat. Mr. Holzer explained, do not be alarmed. It is her control taking over. Before our eyes, the woman seemed to lose the softness of her gender her jaw going forward in a hard thrust, spider-fine age lines deepening into the furrows more commonly seen in the coarser physiognomy of a man. It was as though an artist had skillfully altered her countenance, and yet, by some trick of the brush, left the original lineaments clearly recognizable beneath. Her breathing became strenuous, almost the snore of deep slumber. The harsh sound of it filled the room, seeming to my overstrung nerves as ominous as a death rattle. At the instant, the medium's head fell backwards in a trance. A voice burst out of her, a male's voice, basso, gruff. I will guide you over, it said, and at my signal, you will return as you were. Thus began the strangest performance we had ever witnessed. An unidentified entity came through to declare, there is an animal here, a small animal. It is a cat, a small gray cat. You, you has a cat, a gray cat. The medium was undergoing another change. Her lips drawing together and puckering archly with a toss of her head, she held out a hand, one finger extended in a gesture extravagantly coy. Ring, she simpered like a young and frivolous girl. I've got a ring. Mr. Holzer soothingly says, It is very pretty. Who are you? Reenie. Reenie who? Reenie Mallison. Proudly, Mrs. John J. Mallison. Ring. He put it on my finger. Where's my husband? What is your husband's name? Mr. Holzer says. I held pencil and paper and was jotting down in fractured shorthand as many notes as I could. The last question jarred me. The entity calling herself Reenie. Had just announced her wedded identity as Mrs. John J. Mallison. Hadn't Mr. Holtzard heard her? Confused, I heard the medium reply, Henry McDermott. Apparently, Rocky caught it too. He struggled. How old are you, Rini? 29. Born March 6th, 1848. Born here. If by born here, Renee meant the townhouse. This was another fluff. I strongly doubted the house predated the Civil War by more than a few years. The March date had put me on the edge of my chair, my father's birthday, and the day which Penny had been quote-unquote released. What would that invoke from them either? Can you answer me the name of the President of the United States? Promptly. They killed him. Killed who? Abraham. The medium's mouth dropped into a pout. John is gone abraham took him killed him valley forge a whine of anguish the window i see john at the window blood covered with blood he's looking at it covered with blood the medium appeared muddled mr Holtzer hitched forward his voice soft and cajoling what about the baby renee no not the baby there was a baby now try to remember the baby "'Wild weeping, the heartbroke of a young girl "'from the transfrozen lips of a woman, "'beyond the tragedy of youth, but not the tragedy of life. "'Lied, I lied, not twenty nine. Nineteen. married with a ring. "'Papa did not believe me. Baby died, gone, died. "'The weeping rose to a keen. "'John, where is John?' "'He is dead, Mr. Holster,' said flatly. "'And you are dead. "'You must go from here and join your husband and join your baby.' They are waiting for you on the other side. Go and leave these people in peace. Never. The retort was like an explosion. I will never leave here. They will have to go. This is my home. I will never leave it. Never. The memes head rolled sideways. Now it was the other entity, her control, who spoke brusquely. The instrument is tired. She must be released. What about the names, Mr. Holtz urged? Are they correct? The girl's name is Irene. Last name, Mallison, is correct, but not McDermott. Father opposed match, but she and John were married. There was a miscarriage prior to the union. The seance was over. We were left with a ghost who refused to vacate the premise and with large credibility gaps. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Do we... It's, uh, so in her own words, she's she's saying that she doubts that the house was built m- much you know earlier than the civil war so this idea that she was that this Reenie irene was uh born here is ridiculous to her yeah do we know what stood on the site prior to that do we do we know anything else about irene Mallison?
0: we don't really that's kind of the the extent of it mm. um there's a lot of gaps as she describes um, and it's really hard to to get a sense of what was accurate or not as you can tell what's interesting about the sense itself was the the idea of the control that that yeah that, what's that about apparently it's a a paranormal presence that's able to be the mid the middleman so to speak Um, speaking for the person you're trying to communicate with. I've never heard of this before until reading this book. And even then I still have a little bit questions about it. But basically from what I gather is that you're summoning a spiritual um, guide Mm -hmm. that has the access to the other side. That guide fills the medium. Mm -hmm. And then with the guide's power is able to pull the other spirit in as well
1: got a lot of feelings and questions and feelings and questions ask the questions ask the, I, the. i just feelings. don't under, the, the the i just don't understand okay so what is this is this another ghost is this another kind of being entirely is this you know do we why do we trust the the what was it called the control There's over like the control we, was like correcting yeah, the ghost like exactly. why do we control the why why do we trust the control we don't know i very bizarre
0: yeah I mean that's a that's a fair um, a fair assessment of it all. It's fair. So, as you heard, the paranormal expert had enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Told the spirits to leave, and the meeting's voice shot back with, "Never! I will never leave." I hate that. So, um, the investigator came to the conclusion that throughout this, there was upwards of at least twenty-two spirits at the House of Death. Besides Mark Twain, there also was this woman in a white dress, a young girl and a gray cat. As you heard right. earlier, there was the gray cat. There was the young girl. There was the woman in the white dress. And these figures are figures that will come back in other accounts of the house oh, and really? the haunting. Uh, sights of the woman in white, sights of the young girl, and sights of the gray cat.
1: Why would that cat have anything to Although maybe that's the rat that Clement was Ooh. was so keen on. He saw a, a great cat pushing. Very good women.
0: observation, Christine. Thank you. I'm very proud I of you. have y'all. my moments. The House of Death was not just a name; it was a house of just that. Jan would learn about the many deaths that occurred at the house, and even suffer one of her own. Jan's beloved dog Penelope oh. would die in the house after suffering seizures. Um, Penelope was nine, so an older dog, yeah. and had suffered seizures prior, but it had been years since she had suffered them. Uh, and they automatically started arising again when they moved into the
1: house. Oh, poor
0: thing. One would say it was paranormal. Others would say dogs feel anxiety, dogs know anxiety, dogs yeah, know when there's weird true. things happening. So I couldn't connect those two. So it's not certainly paranormal. Yeah. But Jan leered of the many deaths prior to her Penelope. Human deaths by way of heart attacks, suicide, even murder. Deaths that came in rapid succession. I couldn't find a lot of accounts of all these deaths, but she notes them in the book as discoveries discovery she made while in the house. Okay. After all of this, the Bartels simply didn't feel safe. They yeah, no kidding. couldn't find solace knowing that the spirits in the house were so unruly. Um, and soon they decided to move away. Although Bartel herself could never shake the feeling that the house had poisoned her. Mm. In 1973, social and economic changes began to affect their neighborhood, and Jan and Fred finally decided to sell into a new home in New Rochelle, New York. Mm. Uh, some reports say that Jan committed suicide in the bathroom on June oh. 18, 1978, prior to the publication of her book. Oh, Others sad. say that Jan died of a heart attack. Oh. She was 51. Either way... How do we not know? There's multiple accounts of her death. Uh, Either way, Bartell died under mysterious circumstances just a few weeks after finishing the manuscript about her experiences in the house.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I don't like that.
0: Well, over the years, residents have reported visions of women in long gowns going from room to room, as well as experiencing seemingly random flickers of lights. In addition, the sighting of the mysterious cat also had been noted by many residents as the cat will run through the room into the wall.
1: Interesting.
0: I loved your theory earlier about the cat being the, the rat that, um, uh, Mark, Twain that saw. Mark Twain saw.
1: I'm sticking to it.
0: That's a good theory. I like it. One resident was a photographer. He recalled one night many years ago when he was uh, photographing a dancer in his living room that he left alone in the room for just a minute, or so he thought, his guest was startled to see a lady in a long flowing gown followed by a cat walking mm. into the room. The dancer picked up her stuff and ran the fuck out. <laughs> Smart girl. Good on her. Good on her. Uh, a current resident who lives a uh, floor down from where Bartell lived says he believes in the accounts in Spindrift. The first copy he got was from a girl he met browsing the Strand for books about the occult. A copy of the book fell off the shelf into her hands. Oh. Uh, he's owned the book about 10 times now for some reason the copies keep disappearing
1: oh that's weird and crazy and I love that and hate it but I love it
0: we're going to take another quick break okay and when we come back we're going to talk about some more tragedy that struck the house and we're going to talk about the legacy of this house and Bartell and and, and all that jazz we'll be right back All right, we're back, and uh, we are still talking about the House of Death. Bartels moved out, and whether the 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 horror shows have still continued to arise.
1: Interesting that the cat and the woman are linked, yeah. or maybe not. Maybe they're just friends in the afterlife. Never. I mean, mind. I mean, it's
0: probably what's going to happen to you when you die. It's being you and your cats.
1: That's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. My cats would be my avatar.
0: Yeah, it's be you and cats haunting people. All 20 of them. lecturing them about like history yes like wow and then, like,
1: this would be a great afterlife
0: <laughs> like hello welcome to my house I'm not here to frighten you I'm here to educate you <laughs> now
1: just when they're talking just every so often you're know, like you'll hear the voice no that was that's where you use whom not I was whom? just thinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like they're still on the couch and it's like, well, just just, just write, well, well who it who concerns. Actually it's to whom?
1: To whom it concerns, it concerns? You see, because it's the object of a preposition.
0: Shut up, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so some say that the curse of this house touches people who live there. Most notoriously, 14 West 10th was the site of a grisly murder on November second, nineteen eighty-seven. Oh, If you think we spoke about some dark shit today, that was nothing compared to this. This being the murder of Lisa Nussbaum. Uh, Around 6.40 a.m., 911 operators got a pressing phone call from children's author and editor, Hedda Nussbaum. She said that her six-year-old daughter, Lisa, wasn't breathing. So an ambulance was sent to the Greenwich Village residence right away. When the paramedics arrived, they were greeted by a very disturbing scene. They found Lisa lying naked and unresponsive on the kitchen floor. Her brother, Mitchell, tied to a playpen and soaked in his own urine. Nussbaum herself was covered in bruises and had several broken bones. Oh, my God. Investigators also discovered marijuana, cocaine, hashish, uh, over 20 crack pipes and $25,000 in cash in the apartment paramedics were regrettably unable to revive Lisa on their way to the hospital. Later, her autopsy revealed the cause of death was repeated blunt force trauma to the skull. Hedda and lawyer Joel Steinberg, Lisa's father, were both arrested and subsequently charged with first degree murder. It was charged that after a cocaine binge, Joel violently abused both Lisa and his wife. Hedda avoided a charge in exchange for testimony against Joel at a uh, the jury found him guilty of manslaughter in the second degree and sentenced him to time in prison. Upon his release in 2004, 2004 for fucking oh murder, Joel Steinberg left the law uh, behind and took construction jobs instead.
1: Yeah. So what happened? The other kid, I guess, is okay. Yeah.
0: The other okay, kid okay. survived, was put into uh, a different family, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a lot of, oh, wow. of, of doom, gloom, and darkness yeah. coming out there philip ernest schoenberg author of ghosts of manhattan who also runs the ghosts of new york tours look him up on the social meds says that the house is hardly the most haunted in the city that distinction might belong to the merchant house museum something that we will talk about At at a later date but the block itself may be more imbued with a spectacle history of new york than most people think the spirit of emma lazarus who wrote The New Colossus, the poem on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty, has been spotted still lurking around her old house at number 18, West 10th. Mystery writer Dashiell Hammett and her romantic partner, Lily Hellman, who wrote the play Little Foxes, amongst others, uh, also once lived on the block.
1: Hmm.
0: Edgar Allan Poe, uh, his last residence in New York, was at number 17, just down the block, 17 West 10th. Hmm. Uh, it was at that location he lived where a, a woman rejected his marriage proposal. Oh. So he has some anger yeah. about that. That's why you may see sure. you may see Mr. Poe Mr. Po. chilling out. But what of 14 West 10th, Christina?
1: What of 14 West 10th, Adam?
0: Well, it still remains active among the living and the deceased. hmm <laughs> In two thousand seventeen the exterior underwent a little bit of a refresh to restore the brick and the brownstone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um there is what's up?
1: That's that's when the stuff kicks up. You don't you don't renovate a place like that. That's when everything starts coming
0: Well, all the apartments are are, are very modern apartments now as well. That's why so why it's never stopped. Over the years it has been, you know, tampered with, if you will. Um, there is a big metal marker in front of the building denoting the one-time residence of Mark Twain. Hmm. That, if you pass by, you can see. Um, but what took me by surprise uh, was I, uh, I, I wanted to see if you can rent the any of these units and like yeah. what they say about the units. And I actually found the last unit on the market, um, and that unit was. 4W and it was rented just 11 months ago. Ooh. But what I think is either a, like a missed opportunity or or maybe a decision they made was the Street Easy description. And for mm-hmm. those who don't know, Street Easy, um, certainly in New York, is where you go to look up yeah. apartments and whatnot. Their description of Street Easy doesn't mention Twain living there mm. and doesn't mention any whispers of the paranormal. I'm not sure if they're like, no, 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 we're not telling people about this. But I think there's a, there's a, a group of people who would definitely move there because of this.
1: That's a good point.
0: Um, but in any case, it mentions none of it. Um, also, a two-bedroom, one-bath for $4,800. Come now, please. Oh, my God. That's a lot. Um, uh, and so... You're
1: paying extra because you're paying the ghost's rent.
0: Oh, ghost rent. Ghost rent. Baby ghost rent. <laughs> uh, so what are the legacy of the building? What are the legacy of, of Bartel herself? Yeah. Well... I'm going to let her speak for herself in her final chapter. The writing of this book has been an exercise in personal exorcism. I hope it is done with haunting me, although for you, the haunting may have just begun. If it reads like a gothic novel, it lived like one. Being unprepared for truth, I found it stranger, much stranger than fiction, and a good deal less comfortable than the petrified thought patterns to which I had been an unwitting heir. Now, having gone back through the maze to the beginning and having seen how exonerably A has led into B, B into C, I am at Z of a material alphabet limited to 26 letters circumscribed by 26 steps. But what of a psychic alphabet, barely recognized, much less learned? It may be compromised of as many letters beyond the material Z, as there are forces in the universe beyond material compensation. There are things that haunt me now. These ghosts of an uneasy tomorrow. Uneasy because we have lost our way. And a vast psychic sea must be crossed before we can come home to ourselves. If the spindrift has not reached you yet, it will. It will.
1: I feel like she's threatening me with a haunting. I know. I was like, experienced the book, and I don't care for that. I'm like, I feel, I feel attacked. I feel attacked.
0: <laughs> I feel personally attacked. <laughs> but there you have it. Um Oof. If you are in the New York area, you can go at any time you want. You can I mean not right now. There's no units on the market, ah. but in theory, you could eventually live at 14 West 10th. Um, it's a wonderful neighborhood. It sits at historic Grange Village. It's beautiful, yeah. um, but that's that.
1: A lot of a lot of residents living and dead. Good heavens!
0: Good heavens! Yowza! If you're interested in uh, reading the full account of Bartel's story, um, you can you can read Spindrift Spray from a Psychic Sea, uh, published in 1974. Once again, uh, <laughs> shortly after the death of jan its author um and um it's honestly it's kind of hard to find a lot of the a lot of editions. um no one's really selling it selling it i had a hard time locating it Uh, people wanted to sell it for upwards of 70 to like 100 200 dollars um i was able to to um uh rent it out loan it from an online uh server of Mm. books so i recommend if you want to read it, that's the best way that I found it. You can you can Non-line rent it out library. Yeah, thing. you can rent it out for an hour or two and re and like renew it if you need to renew it. That's how I read the book. But um it's a doozy of a read, as has mixed reviews. <laughs> some people like it, some people think it's fascinating, some think it think it's you know, hokum. Yeah. Um love to use the word hokum. Hokum. Um but there you have it. You know hey, what I'm going to do? Tell me.
1: I'm going to go home and I'm going to uh, use that Ancestry account burning a hole in my pocket and see if I can find Irene Mallison born March 16,
0: 1848. And we will, we will come back to you on those, on those answers on a yeah. later date. Yeah. Uh, hey, Christina, people want to find out more about the pod, where do they go?
1: You can find us at NY Mystery Machine on Instagram and Facebook and N- at NY Mysteries on Twitter.
0: Uh, and, and while you're doing all that stuff, you're already listening to iTunes. I bet you're listening to iTunes or an Apple podcast. And if you are, if you're one of those people listening to it on the Apple podcast, just literally scroll down to, to the five star rating and the review, drop us five stars, drop us a review. It's literally so easy. It's already there on your screen. Right. Just do it. Right. And, uh, we're gonna be picking out our, our, our August winner in, 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 quite a bit of, of, you know, of who won our, our, our review. Of the month um so we'll announce that we're gonna do that uh shortly
1: yeah which means if you've all you know do that but no, never mind i'm nothing to have nothing to say, <laughs> nothing to
0: say. <laughs> well there you have it um thanks for taking this trip with us on the mystery machine it was a doozy today yeah it was. we hope he didn't scare you too much um and if we did well that's kind of the point um,
1: always ask when renting or buying an apartment or house is there a haunting they have to tell you
0: they don't have to tell you don't they you. have to
1: tell you i'm pretty sure they no have
0: to tell you. they don't have to tell you if it's haunted or not but if they don't know
1: well they have to tell you if they know like if they are aware of the fact
0: i don't know in uh, any case i've been adam mace i've been christina Marinelli. <laughs> thanks for coming aboard the new york mystery machine we will see you next time bye